0: Morning, everybody good? Summertime, one person is good today, it's awesome, preach way better with feedback from the people, as I've said many times, I preach a lot shorter when you talk back to me, so what I understand from that, there's like 12 people here that don't really want to hear from the Lord today, the rest of you are like, I want him to preach really long because that's why I'm here. All right. Hey, I wanted to give you an update. Some of you were here a few weeks ago when I told the story about meeting this homeless guy at the corner of 71st and Memorial. His name was David, and he had a sign, and he was asking for money, and one of his signs said, pray for my wife. She's in ICU, and for the sake of time, I'm just going to condense that. You can go on my Facebook page or go back to our podcast. You can hear that whole story. But I really felt a prompting from God to go and talk to this gentleman uh, because I wasn't really sure if she was in ICU or not, if this was just some kind of ploy to maybe get more money. And I stopped and I visited with him and I talked to him, sure enough, his wife is and was in ICU and... And so I said, hey, can I go to the hospital and and pray for her? And I was on my way to do something else, and I, okay, God, I'll just go do this. He said, absolutely, and he gave me the room number. I went up there, walked into the ICU unit. There she was, completely unconscious, tubes down her throat, hooked up to everything. She'd had a brain hemorrhage. She was fighting for her life, probably wasn't going to make it. Laura and I went back a week later, walked in there. She's still hooked up to the tubes, but her eyes are just barely opening, and she's opening up her eyes just enough that you can actually see her eyes and I talked to her and and I said can I pray for you and she said just kind of nodded her head and so Laura and I prayed for her and we prayed a simple prayer that we prayed all the way through the process and that was rise and walk and I left that hospital well I went back last week and this is what I saw her eyes wide open, she's not in ICU, they moved her out of ICU, she has no tubes anymore, she's going to make it, she's going to live. Great thing was all the ICU nurses were saying, "Uh, you must be the preacher she's been talking about, which is amazing because she wasn't really conscious, so I don't even know how she knew I was there. So she is. I want you to keep praying for her, though, because we're still praying that she would rise and walk. This uh, stroke that she's had has left her immobilized on her left side. She can't move anything on her left side. So I laid my hands on her again and prayed, rise and walk. Listen, we pray that prayer here at CORE Church, and we believe in that prayer. We've seen miracle after miracle after miracle of God doing unbelievable things, the power of prayer. So I'm excited. I want to ask you to keep praying. Pray for Bertha. I'm going to go see her again this week, and I'm looking forward to her finally getting out of that bed and rising and walking. We are in our series called Defining Moments, so let's get our Bibles out. Today, I want to talk to you about how to turn a defeat into a defining moment, how to turn a defeat into a defining moment and i'm going to be in matthew chapter 26 so matthew's in the new testament's first book of the new testament matthew was one of jesus's disciples and he wrote this account of walking with jesus for three years he was with jesus for three years so he he wrote a book about it so we could hear the miracles and the stories of who jesus was if you don't have a bible by the way they are free they're in the next steps room just go back there after the service and ask for one If you have a mobile device, go to corechurch.com, you can download a free Bible there. I'm going to be in the New Living Translation, okay, New Living Translation. Matthew 26, and we're going to start in verse 47. Jesus has been walking with his disciples for about three years now and doing his ministry. They've had the Last Supper. They've gone to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, and Judas has gone off and is betraying Jesus, and this is the story of that arrest right before his crucifixion. Verse 47, and even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people. The traitor, Judas, had given them a prearranged signal, you will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. And if you're new to church, that's where that phrase, Judas kiss, comes from. We get that from this scripture. So Judas came straight to Jesus. Greetings, Rabbi, he exclaimed and gave him the kiss. Jesus said, my friend, go ahead and do what you have come for. Then the others grabbed Jesus and they arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus, and by the way, this is Peter here. In this series, Defining Moments, we're looking at the life of Peter and some of the defining moments in Peter's life. This is one of Peter's defining moments right here. But one of the men, who was Peter, with Jesus, pulled out his sword and struck the high priest's slave, slashing off his ear. Put away your sword, Jesus told him. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us, and he would send them instantly? But if I did, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now? And Jesus said this to the crowd. Am I some dangerous revolutionary that you come to me with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why, why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there teaching every day. This is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets, as recorded in the scriptures. And here's one of, I think, one of the hardest statements in all of scripture. One of the um, most sorrowful scriptures and statements in in all of the Bible. At that point, all the disciples deserted him and fled. Let's pray. God, for this moment that we have to search your scripture and to hear your word, we ask that you would speak to us. Really believe that you do have a message for us today and that you want to speak to each one of us. Uh, I want to ask you, church, if you would, you don't have to pray out loud, but pray for those around you. Um, Might be a family member next to you, might be a friend, maybe a friend in front of you or behind you. Just, Just say a quick prayer for them. They'd be open to what God has to say. Would you pray for me as your pastor that I would be faithful to the text, and that the Holy Spirit would really descend in this moment that we could hear from him. In Jesus' name, and the church said, Amen. And the church said, Let's go. Come on now. I need that today, okay? I need that today. Hey, did Daniel Surratt Flat bring the word last week? Can I just give him some props right now? Man, what a, if you missed it? You got to go listen to the podcast on that. It was a phenomenal word, so helpful to me too. Was loving taking tons of notes, studied those notes all week. It was a great, powerful word. Have you ever had a bad day? Bad day, bad day. Maybe that's today, right? <laughs> Maybe that's today. Everybody, everybody's had a bad day at one time or another. I, I had a bad day. Earlier this week, it started, I, I got up out of bed and I went to my underwear and sock drawer and opened up the drawer and right there on the left front side, nothing but the bottom of the drawer, no underwear. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. I guess these boys are going another round. I'm like, where's the Febreze? Anybody got any Febreze? I'll just breathe it. Good to go. Oh, like you haven't done that. Come on, y'all. This is Oklahoma. We do everything. No, so I'm like, maybe, just maybe, maybe there's some in the dryer. So I go to, they're in the dryer? Oh, no, no. Where are they? There's some there, but they're in the washing machine. So I leave the house like this. You ever done that? Like you kind of get them 10 minutes dry? Oh, come on, people. Come on. Can I get an amen? I'm the only, maybe I am the only person. Maybe I'm just weird. I mean, they're, just, they're partly dry. I've got to have clean ones. I ain't wearing those old, old ones. You ever gotten in the shower and you go to reach for the shampoo? Shampoo ain't there. It's across the bathroom. You know it's going to be a bad day, right? You ever gotten to work and you, you, you go to the restroom at work and you're sitting there and right when you, you finish, you look over and it's empty? you like texting your coworkers, emergency in the bathroom right now. I need you to come right now. I don't care Cheryl if you're the only one here, just come into the men's room and throw it over the stall. I don't care. We won't tell anybody this happened. I mean it's just you it's just one thing after another. And then like, you finally, you get home, it's the end of the day, you're like, I've had the worst day of my life, everybody leave me alone, I'm just going to veg and watch TV, and I'm just going to forget this day even happened, and like, ladies, you're like, I'm just going to sit down, I've DVR'd The Bachelorette, and I'm just going to sit down and watch that, and you click it on, and your husband actually didn't DVR The Bachelorette, he DVR'd Ninja Warriors, you know, you're like, really? Is that what you did? Do they always not wear shirts? Is that how that always is? <laughs> well, for you, dear, we're going to watch this show. God just made a miracle out of this day right here. He saved it for me. <laughs> so, so you all ain't honest today. I don't know what's wrong with you people, but you all like, so, I don't know. I'm just not like that. I don't know. This is church. We, we're not like that. Jesus, help this pastor right now. <laughs> That's the board members that are praying that right now. So like, I, he started with an underwear joke. I do not know where this sermon is going. So if you're a first-time guest, I, I apologize for that. Uh, so, but, but we do. We have, bad, we have bad days, right? Bad days, though, honestly are, if, if we're honest, they're easy to forget. I mean, you barely remember them the next day. But then there are things that aren't bad days. There are bad moments. That we have in life. There, there's moments that we have that you can't just shake off. That the next day you don't, you don't easily forget about it. I, there, there's these moments that we have of in, in our lives that everybody faces of, of pain, of disappointment, of heartache, frustration. I, I don't know what that moment is for you, but but I bet for some of you that moment when I say that you instantly go back to your childhood. And there was a, a moment in your childhood, and you just, you just can't shake it. And it's been with you for a long, long time. For some of you, it's that word divorce. Man, you thought it would never happen to you. And then it did. And that's not a bad day. That's a a bad moment. There's there's moments where you you get that doctor's report, and it's cancer. Or it's a brain hemorrhage. And you pray, and you believe, and that person dies. That's not a bad day. That's a bad moment. All of us have these, these, these times of heartache, of, of disappointment, of struggles that come into our lives. But what happens is for some people, they, they let that moment define them. In, in other words, they'll, they'll say, well, I am the way I am today because of fill in the blank. Or we will say that about somebody. Well, you know, they are, you know why they are the way they are. Is is because of and fill in the blank. But then there's 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 other people that have devastation, heartache, brokenness, and disappointment come into their life, and somehow they rise above it. How how is that possible? How is it possible that two people can face the same heartache? the same disappointment, the same struggle. One of them rises above it, and the other one falls. I want to talk about that for the few minutes that we have together. Because here's what can happen for those of us who are followers of Jesus. Uh, When we suffer a defeat, a defeat can shake your confidence in God. Where are you, God? Hang on a second, God, that was that's supposed to happen to bad people, not good people. I, I, I follow you, I serve you, I, I, I give, I tithe, I, I'm in church, I read your word, I pray, I, I'm fully surrendered to you. This is not supposed to happen to people like me. This is, this is where we find the disciples. Their, their confidence is shaken. They have followed Jesus for three years. They have walked with Jesus, and Jesus has been telling them, I'm the Son of God. I'm the Messiah. You know the one that they've been talking about for thousands of years? I'm him. So they follow him. He says, I'm going to set up my kingdom. I'm going to bring the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. And these disciples are like, yes. And then out of nowhere, these uh, soldiers show up, arrest him, And throw him into prison. And we read this in Matthew 26, 56. At that point, all the disciples deserted him and fled. This is written by Matthew. Matthew, one of Jesus' followers. I, I can't believe he even wrote that down, honestly. I journal every day. I am not writing that in my journal Hey, I deserted Jesus today. But that's what Matthew's doing here in this moment. That's what he's doing. He's saying, all of them, he's saying, me. <laughs> I, I gotta let people know I'm I, I'm one of them. I I deserted him and I fled. You ever been there in that moment like that? You ever been there where you just feel like you just want to flee? You just want to give up on God, you just you just want to just walk away because you don't know that his promises, are they, are they really true? This is what we need to understand today. The devil, he uses a defeat to destroy your confidence in God. The devil, listen to me right here, listen to me. The devil will use a defeat in your life to ultimately destroy your confidence in God. That's what he's coming for. What he's coming for is for you to flee and to walk away and desert God. That's what he wants to do. But here's what I want you to write down if you're taking notes. God can turn a defeat into a defining moment. God can turn a defeat into a defining moment. Let's say that together. God can turn a defeat into a defining moment. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, God can do, come on, God can turn a defeat into a defining moment. Now turn back and say it back to that same person. God can turn a defeat into a defining moment. Do you believe that? I don't know that we do. I believe that. I believe that to the very core of my being, that God can take a defeat and turn it into a defining moment. I've watched him do this over and over and over again in my life, where I have been struck down, where I got so low, I didn't think I could get back up again, but somehow, way, God turned a defeat into a defining moment. So what causes one person to rise to the moment and causes so many others to fall? I want us to look at this. Let's look at this defining moment for the disciples, okay? Let's go back to the scripture. Remember, they have just finished praying with Jesus. And in verse 47, Judas shows up. Judas, one of the 12 disciples, verse 47, Judas, one of the 12 disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and elders of the people. Get the picture here. Things are really going great. I mean, they sat down. They're eating to get dinner together. I mean, they, they even have, you know, the, they have a photographer show up, and they all get lined up, all 12 of them. Jesus gets in the middle, and they snapshot it, you know. I mean, it's, it is a good. Some of you are like, Did that. was that guy, is that really when that painting was? I mean, they, they, it's, they're they having dinner. It's a party. They're hanging out. And then, then they get to Jesus like, let's go for a walk. Okay. And they jump up from dinner. You know, like after Thanksgiving, you go for the walk, you know. And, and so they go for the walk, and they're having a good time. And Jesus is like, hey, let's pray together. And just, oh, man, this is awesome. Oh, it's at dinner. We're walking together. Now we're going to pray together. I mean, does that not like sense? It's like that is like in, in, in the Jesus world, that's, an, that's a good day. That's like core community in a nutshell right there, Okay. That's what happens on Wednesday nights when we show up for core community. We eat together, Jesus shows up, we pray, and then, and then, and then all hell breaks loose. <laughs> Can I get an amen? amen? Yeah. All hell breaks loose. Everything turns in a moment for these guys. Everything. Everything's going great one moment, next minute, everything goes. Is that, has that ever happened to you? Has it happened to anybody? Has that ever, ever happened to you? One moment, everything's great. Next minute, devastation. You, you ever felt like the the disciples here? I mean, I, a couple weeks ago we had these massive rain showers. You know, this I haven't seen rain like that. I've lived here for almost thirty years. I've never seen rain like we had a, a few weeks ago. And I, I remember on that Saturday night before church, the uh, my phone was going off with all the weather warnings. Do you remember that one? Like eleven thirty at night, the flood warnings. Just it was just insane. Well, at that moment, what I I didn't realize is my oldest son, Stephen, his in-laws, some of you know them, Pam and Steve Douglas, um, at that moment when those were going off, they ran outside of their house because they have creeks that run around the side of their house and around the back. And when that happens and the weather warnings go off, they take their cars and they move them to higher ground because they are susceptible to flooding. When they went out to get their cars, the creeks were too high, and they couldn't get their cars out within just a matter of a few hours, water was two and a half feet high in their house, and their car was flooded up to the windshield. All their cars in their driveway, completely gone. Everything on the first floor of their house, completely gone. When I went over to their house, everything that was on the first floor, carpet, walls, furniture, stoves, you name it, all piled almost 15 feet high in their driveway. One moment, everything's great. The next minute, your life is falling apart. That's exactly how life works. One moment, everything's great. Everything feels right. And then the warning signs go off. The warning signals go off. And out of nowhere, it's devastation. It is destruction. It is pain. It is misery. One moment, everything is great in your family. Everything's going awesome. And the next minute, boom! Devastation. You didn't see it coming, and it rocked you. One minute you're going into the doctor for a, for a bump and a, a little bit of pain you're having, and the next minute the doctor gives you that report, and it hits you like a shockwave, and everything changes In that moment, one one moment everything's going great at work and and your job and, and you've gotten the promotion and the next minute you walk in and you're taking a box of your stuff and you're walking out. One minute everything's going good financially. Everything's great. The next minute out of nowhere, financial devastation. Everything can change in a moment. That's what happened to the disciples here. Here's what we need to understand. When the enemy shows up, you need to understand this. If you're a follower of Jesus, when the enemy shows up, he always shows up with strength and might. He ain't patty-caking. He's not messing around. He always shows up with strength and might. That's what he did here. In verse 47, M- Matthew does not do it justice. He, in, in, he says, a crowd of men showed up. Okay, a crowd of men, you know what that is? That's like, a, that's like a foursome at a golf course. That's what a crowd of men is, okay? They just showed up with their nine irons. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, would you like to go to court with us? I mean, it, no. It's not what this situation was like at all, okay? This was not a crowd of men. In fact, it was about 600 fully armed riot soldiers. These guys were trained for riots. That's who the Romans sent the riot guys with the riot gear. And then that wasn't nearly enough. They're like, I don't know that it's enough that we have these 600 guys. We need some of the temple guard to go as well, okay? The temple guard were the guys who were guarded over the temple. They were the Jewish police. So now they send them. There's like almost a 1,000 men fully armed coming to arrest Jesus. The, the enemy will do anything within his means to take you down. He will come at you and throw everything at you to get you to give up on God. He wants to defeat you. He wants to intimidate you. He wants to steal your faith. And he is coming in might and power. You ever felt that before in your life? Has anybody ever felt that before? If you have not felt that, you need to get ready. You need to prepare yourself. No one is exempt. He is coming and he is coming with power and might. He is coming as a mighty flood. In fact, that's what Isaiah says. Isaiah 59 19 says this when when the enemy comes like a what? A raging flood tide, the Spirit of the Lord will what? Come on, let's say this together like you mean it. He will what? Drive him back. Why? Because God can turn a defeat into a defining moment. Listen, you can say to the enemy, get off my back. Turn to the person next to you and say, get off my back. Hang on, they're not the enemy. That's the wrong, that's the wrong, that's the wrong enemy. You can say to the enemy, if you're a child of God, he comes with might and power, but greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. What that means is, get off my back. You ain't got no business on my back. You ain't got no business in my house. You ain't got no business in my workplace. You ain't got no business with me physically. You need to get off my back. I love this, man. This is exactly what happened when the soldiers came for Jesus. If you look in John's gospel, you don't have to turn there, but John gives the same account. And in John's Gospel, chapter 18, verse 6. Now listen to this, okay? Listen, the enemy comes in with strength and might, but he pales in comparison to our God. Look at Jesus here. So the soldiers are are coming and they're and basically what they're saying is: Hey, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth, and and Jesus says this: I am He. And they all drew back and fell to the ground. Wow. Jesus speaks, and 600 fully armed riot soldiers and the temple guard all just get like, "Ah," wet themselves and fall down. That's one part's not in there, but that's just the gospel according to Brad That's what happens to the enemy when God is on your side. You can't be the weak Christian. You're not you're not the soldier. So many Christians, so many people that say I follow Jesus, stand on the other side and they're the ones getting weak need. You're not the one supposed to be getting weak need. The enemy is the one who's supposed to be getting weak need. When you're a follower of Jesus, it means you have the spirit of the living God inside of you, and you can say, get off my back. He gets weak-kneed, he wets himself, and he falls down flat on his face, out, cold, done. That's who our God is. When he speaks, the enemy falls. Man, I love that. Whenever he speaks, the enemy falls. So Peter hears this. Peter is standing there. He's walked with Jesus for three years. And hears Jesus say this, I am. Now Peter is Jewish. And he knows that in the Jewish culture and for a rabbi and the teacher, and he says, I am, basically what Jesus is saying in that moment is I am God. He's using God's name. I, I am God. So Peter hears Jesus proclaim to these soldiers I am God, and, and then on top of that, he sees them then drop, and, and they faint, and you, you would think in that moment, he'd just stand back and go, hey, all right, guys, I think you got this one, you, do, you go, you, you got it. Does he do that? No. Do we do that? No. You've got the power of the living God on your side, just like Peter, but instead of Allowing, stepping back and allowing him to fight that battle for you. And, and allowing him to turn your defeat into a defining moment. Instead, we take it upon ourselves. And that's exactly what Peter does here. Look at verse 51. Verse 51. But one of the men with Jesus, that's again, Peter, pulled out his sword and he struck the high priest's slave slashing off his ear. Man, it, you, there are some decisions you look back on in life and they were, they were good decisions, you know what I'm saying? Like you look back on some of the decisions you made and you're like, ah, that's a pretty good decision. And you ever look back on some of the decisions you made in life and you're like, man, that was a really poor choice. That was a bad idea. For example, glamour shots. <laughs> Ladies. Somewhere in a closet, somewhere you hope your children never find. Right? You, you did that one, right? If you're here and that's you, I apologize. Uh, Men, man, here's one I think that we will regret right here. Okay, this one. Not, not the scarf. There ain't nothing wrong with the scarf, man. It's the knotted scarf. Don't knot your scarf. This guy here, you know what this looks like to me? This looks like a dad whose daughter said, no, dad, they're really hip right now. All the, all the guys are wearing them. And he's like, really? I can't even move my neck right now. Really? That's a bad one. Here's one right here. Oh, yes. <laughs> Somewhere in your glove box is a warped Nickelback CD. Am I right? Man, I regret that one. I need to go to CR and take a chip. I need a chip for that one right there. Like. Look at this photograph. You're like, oh, man. (laughs) It actually sounded more like the professor from Back to the Future than it did. Did it not? You know what I'm saying? Marty, look at this photograph. I mean, it's just, uh, (laughs) I should work on that before I bring it to the stage. I mean, there's just some decisions that we make in life that, 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 we look back on with, with regret. I, I think this is one that, that Peter does. I, I think this is one where I, later, I think that the disciples, when they would get together, I think they would probably go, hey, man, Pete, you remember that time? He's like, oh, please, come on, man. Come on, not again. You remember that time you took that pocket knife, man? You guys remember that? He took on 600 soldiers. Ah, man. That was nuts, man. Every time, reminding him about it. Now, now the nice thing is, is Matthew here, in Matthew's account, Matthew's like, hey, Pete, dude, I'm going to totally let you off the hook. When I, when I write this down, I'm not putting your name in there, okay? <laughs> but John, John, as only a best friend would do, oh, I am so putting your name in there. Because I want this to go beyond us. But that's what Peter does in this moment. I, this is our instinct. Our instinct is to draw the sword. I'm going to take control of the situation. I, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to fix it. Does it fix it? No. In fact, it usually gets worse. Many times when we step out and we draw the sword, just like Peter, we, we live to regret that moment and that decision. So Jesus says this to Peter. He tells him to put away the sword. He says, let, let me handle this, Peter. Peter. Come on, man, you've you you been walking me for three years, man. You've got to trust me. Do you trust me? And then Jesus says this in verse 53. Don't you realize I could ask my father for thousands of angels to protect us and he would send them instantly? I think in that moment, Peter must have been like, yes, that's a great idea. Right now, send fire from heaven, strike them dead, bring the angels. This is going to be awesome. You need to do that. Does God do that? No. There's no fire. There's no angels. It's like God just kind of rolls over in this moment. Man, have you ever said that to God before? Have you ever prayed and nothing happened? Come on. You ever prayed and nothing happened? Look around. Okay, maybe it looks like about 75% of you have prayed and nothing happened. The rest of you have prayed and it always gets answered. I would love to meet you after service. And find out your secret sauce. Because I can tell you there's been times that I have prayed and there is no answer. There ain't no fire falling from heaven. There ain't no angels coming. In your moment of devastation, in your defeat, in your struggle, in that moment of pain, it's like God rolls over. Where are you? Why are you letting this happen to me? This should not be happening to me. If you're a loving God, where's all the love on this? I, And I, Peter and the disciples, I think that's the question they're asking right in this moment. Why is this happening? Can anybody, what, what's going on? You said you were going to set the kingdom up and you were the son of God and the Messiah and all these things. And we laid everything down to follow you. Why is this happening to us? Why aren't you doing anything? Man, if you haven't asked that question before, you don't have a pulse. Everybody's asked that question before. And I think we get a pretty good hand on a pretty good answer in John's gospel. In John 18, 11, I think Jesus gives us a good answer here. It says, but Jesus said this to Peter, put your sword back in its sheath. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering? Say that with me, that underlined pipe. The what? The cup of suffering. Shall I not drink from the cup of suffering the Father has given me? See, we live in a fallen, broken, sinful world. And defeat and pain and suffering and disappointment and devastation comes to everybody. No no one's exempt. Not even Jesus. If if Jesus wasn't exempt from suffering, what makes us think that we would be exempt from suffering? And those of us who have our faith and our hope in Jesus Christ, we know that one day our Lord is going to return, as Revelation says, and there will be no more crying, there will be no more death, there will be no more pain, there will be no more devastation. But Jesus in this moment, he says he came. To drink the cup of suffering. In other words, Jesus came to make a way through suffering for those who put their faith and their hope in him. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, he doesn't abandon you in your suffering. He came before us. He went before us. Drank the cup of suffering. Came through that and defeated it and made a way for us to come through our suffering. Let me, let me put it in a little bit different context here. Jesus came. He drank the cup of defeat. He drank the cup of sin. He drank the cup of shame. He drank the cup of betrayal. He drank the cup of addiction. He drank the cup of abuse. He took it all in on the cross. Why? Because he knew we would suffer in this world as well. And he said, I don't abandon you as orphans, but I'm going to make a way through your suffering so that you can come through that and experience a resurrection. That's who our God is. Amen? That's who he is. Man, with Jesus, there's always hope. There's always a resurrection for those of us who will trust him, who will follow him. And we say, yeah, it's a sinful, broken world. And one day, man, one day you're coming. and All of this will be over. He says, I'm not, I'm not going to leave you in your pain. If you're a follower of Jesus, he doesn't want you to leave you in your pain. He wants you to come through that pain. He wants to bring you through it. He says, I know exactly how that defeat feels. I know how abuse feels. I know how betrayal feels. I know what sin and addiction feel like. I took it all on me. I drank the cup of suffering and I conquered it through the cross and through the grave a resurrection is coming your way. So the question is: Will you will you rise to that moment in faith in Jesus Christ, or will you fall? I think what Jesus wants to say to every one of us today: Follow me. Follow me. I'll I'll turn your defeat into a defining moment. for you God in this moment we just humble ourselves before you and ask that you speak to us if you're here this morning and you're a follower of Jesus maybe you have a defeat from your past might be as far back as your childhood you let that defeat define you. Or maybe right now, you're in that moment. Right now, you're in that moment of defeat, and it's starting to define you. But you say, man, I don't want this defeat to define me. I, I want it to be my defining moment. I want to put my faith in Jesus and surrender that to Him. Would you just raise your hand so I can see who you are and how to pray for you. Thank you. That's awesome. Awesome. Put your hands down. Anybody else? Got you all the way in the back. I see you. That's great. You might be here today, and you're not a follower of Jesus. Listen, you're stuck. Without Jesus, you're stuck in defeat. But with Jesus, he will bring you through that suffering. He'll bring you through that defeat. And he will declare over your life a defining moment. That begins, if you're not a follower of Jesus, it begins by placing your faith and your hope in Him. If you've never done that before, it's as simple as this. You just say, man, God, I'm a sinner. You Just pray this prayer and make it the confession of your mouth. God, I'm a sinner. I've made a lot of mistakes. There's been things that have been done to me, God, and there's things that I've done that are not right. But God, please help these moments to not define me. God, I want to shake off my sin. I want to shake off my shame. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe He did conquer the cross and the grave, and He did rise again. And today, I'm going to put my hope in You, God. I'm putting my hope in You, putting my faith in Jesus. Make me new. Take away my sin. Take away my shame. Make me new, Father. God, for those... Who are making that commitment today. Spirit of the living God, fill them. Every head bowed. If you prayed that prayer today and you made a decision to follow Jesus, would you just slip up your hand? I I won't embarrass you. I won't make you come up here or anything like that. I just want to know who you are. You prayed and you made a commitment to follow Jesus today. Slip your hand up. God, for those two who have raised their hands, who have so much pain, disappointment in their life rise them up to new life I want to ask you if that was you you raised your hand because you're a follower of Jesus but you have a moment that's just been defining you to just turn that over to him now give it to him God this is yours I'm not gonna take it back again devil get off my back get off my back in Jesus name get off my back and leave it there at the foot of the cross Walk away from it into new life. I'm walking away from this, God. Spirit of the living God, fill your people. Give them the strength. In Jesus' name, amen.